Hello and welcome to the Keen on Things podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Keen, with the best 30 minutes of sleep in show business. Boy, did I need 30 minutes and then some uh, this past week after flying. And we'll get to this. I flew uh, Miami to Dallas, Dallas to LA, LA to New Zealand. Let you digest that 12 hour flight. And then a three hour turnaround, quick turnaround, three hour flight to uh, Tonga where I'm now. I am now and I'm about to leave. I spent the night in Tonga um, and now I'm on a ship leaving um, Tonga. We're about to leave here in a little while. Head to Australia. Um, Yeah, it's insane. Uh, I'm on week four of this journey, I think, and I'm spent. It's a good spend. It's fine. Uh, It's what I signed on for. But uh, it's a long haul for sure i'm in very unfamiliar waters and uh just feeling very disconnected you know which is hard because you need to connect <laughs> in comedy with the audience and uh it's just like after two weeks in miami and the caribbean that was one level of disconnection and now it's just like i feel like i'm in mars i feel like it's weirdly more lonely than japan or korea was um but you know what we're all life is uh, a journey and it's hard for a lot of people, right? Uh, we're all spent. We're all on this earth competing for time, space, pleasure, you know. And if someone else's drive for pleasure interferes with our own, it's war. If you're a society that wants to kick it and you come across a society that doesn't want to kick it or wants to kick it once they've broken you down and conquered you, then it's war. Um, you know, we're constantly competing whether we know it or not. Uh, the better table at the restaurant, discounted bill, you know, dealing with customer service where they're just trying to get you off the phone, out the door, uh, onto the next thing. You know, they don't care. And that's how it is a little on these ships, right? Which, you know, they've got a lot to do, so I get it. But uh, every one I get on, they require all this paperwork that isn't, you know, made aware to me before. Um then if it is made aware it's to my agent, my cruise ship agent, and even to them, their line of defense is, well, it's it's in the app. Yeah, you just look in there. And it's like, hey, can, can, you know, can you help a little more? Can you help me a little more? Like, until I get this process figured out. Because we had to go on a little bit pre-pandemic, and it's been two and a half years, and so maybe we can uh, work together. But it's every walk of life, right? You have to be nowadays an independent contractor. You, you know, you, you think office space was a joke when they said, like, the glitch has been removed. Milton just won't get a paycheck anymore. And everything will just take care of itself. Um, that's not a joke. That's how it is. There's just, there's just not going to be someone checking on you in a good way. It's every job now. It's like, oh, they didn't show you the link? Nobody showed you the link? It's like, no. Can you? No, I can't either. Oh, it's just you're on your own, man. You know. Um, God, the other day, we dock last Friday. Was that October 30th, I think? 30, November 1st. Yeah, Saturday morning. October 30th is when we docked. So this is now the afternoon of November 1st, but it is in um, Tonga. So it's still, I think, late Halloween night in the States. Uh, we dock in Miami at like 6 a.m. that Saturday. 
uh, and you're allowed off the ship at seven or whatever. It takes a little while. I rush to a rapid test so I can board the ship in Tonga. You know, because God knows on flights between Miami and Tonga, there's no way you could catch COVID. I mean, the margin for, you know, you're only going to interact with a thousand people, maybe two thousand. You're, you're sharing a flight with hundreds of people on those days, touching all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I'm sure if you got the test and it's negative, you're good. There's no way you're going to catch it from Miami to Tonga. I mean, that's only four flights. So I rushed to get the uh, rapid test. In Miami, it's $50. In Rancho Santa Margarita, it's 150 So isn't that interesting? Um, then my agent tells me you can get them at the airport if you need, or I could have gotten it on the ship the day before, except the day before means that by the time I arrive in Tonga, frickin' a thousand hours later, um, that 48-hour window is over, and the test wouldn't count anymore. Would it? I doubt it. But the point is, the point is, I don't know... I didn't know about the ship being able to do it. I should have. And I didn't know the airport could do it, which I should have known. But it's not like I want to add one more thing as I go through the airport. So I'm like, no, I'd rather pay and do this in advance. Because you get to the airport, man. It's just anxiety city, right? Um, so I get the test in Miami. I see the see my cousin Chris and his wife. They take me to the Miami airport. I fly to Dallas, then to L.A., I walk to International to board uh, New Zealand Airlines. And these criminals, man, they sting me for some kind of app form I have to download and fill out. One for Australia and one for New Zealand. I'm not even flying to Australia. Um, I hope I'll use that one later on. I don't know. I'm flying. Th- but I think what it does is it goes to your passport to make sure clearance is allowed there. So when they check it, it's all good. I it just, You know, I'm flying through New Zealand and to Tonga. But I have to pay for both forms, which I'll, re- I'll get reimbursed for, whatever. But it, it just comes to me as a complete shock, uh, which is fine. I'm a couple hours early, so that was great. But this one, uh, this one terrible human lady is just doing everything to block me. You know, she just had it out for me because she had plenty of time. She was bored. She's, you know, she's not attractive. Um, she could be. But she's short and chubby and young and bitter. And uh, she's like, you don't have anything. I'm like, well, I'm here now. Can we just fill it all out? Everything will get paid for. There's plenty of time. Stop acting like your job matters that much or your existence. When will the smallness of your job overwhelm you? All right? Let's get people on the plane. You know, do I look like one of the 19 people that did 9-11? No. Okay? Those guys, by the way. I mean, talk about the effect they had on the world. The the 12 disciples are probably the only ones that had more of an effect. Theirs had centuries to mature and marinate. But these 19 really did a number on all of us. Um, but thankfully, there was a lady there who was helping me through the apps. And just like, okay, click here, click here, fill this out. You don't need to worry about that. You don't need to worry about that. That's, that's what you need. You need people that go, okay, you don't need to worry about that. Um, and this bitch behind the counter is you know, still like observing and she just did not want to comply she's like if one of our employees is going to help you sir that's an extra twenty dollars i'm like i'll pay 40 for you to shut your mouth you know what i mean like i'll I'll gladly pay the 20 thank you very much for being part of the solution and i was just like is there a human being i can talk to not a manager just a human being um you know it's just like really like do you take this much issue if with real issues or just something so small i've just flown from miami and now i have to get on a freaking red eye is it a red eye i mean red eye i mean you're going 12 hours man all night 
only to get on another flight to a place I've never been. I have no idea. So in her defense, um, it's a specific case, right? A comic getting on a cruise ship and then you're not, you have no return flight because you're just getting on the ship. You, you know, it's LAX to New Zealand to Tonga or I'll spend a night and catch the ship in Tonga to sail back to Australia to fly out of there four weeks from now. But whatever, you know, people live that way. All kinds of weird professions. Just get me on the ship, right? But her thing was like, there's no return flight for you. I don't have you coming back to the state. I'm like, don't worry about it. She's like, well, then you need a visa. And I'm like, uh, what? I'm not 30 days, you know? I'm not 30 days in any country or 90 days or three months. Um, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'll get the flight information out of Australia back stateside. I'll get that about seven minutes before the flight. Okay, my cruise ship agency always likes to get me that information the night before. I don't know, you know, it's really fun, though, to scramble like that. And it's not like they give a shit. If you get a middle seat, which I did end up getting from L.A. to New Zealand, middle seat, uh, it didn't matter. I was so tired I crashed for some of it. Um, so tired that I actually slept for some. Not all, because I can't sleep on planes. But that I got any sleep was amazing. But I was so tired it didn't, didn't matter. Um so packed in there i wasn't affected by turbulence because i was just spent so that's the good part is the turbulence like in new zealand and going to tonga really didn't do anything because uh i was like great i'm too tired if you go down it goes down which you're so far from going down it's just you have no control you're just this tin can flying in the air um so whatever (coughs) um you know and then you get here and like my ankles are swelling and i'm like what is going on here like i I got to the hotel in tonga and i'm like taking a shower and i'm like what the hell and um my salt intake's been too high the food the rich food on the ships two weeks and i thought i was drinking plenty of water which i'm pretty sure i am but you know i was freaking out and uh i was like why are my ankles swollen i just turned 50 is this like automatic what's going on um but it wasn't pain and it was both ankles and there was no discoloring. So I just got online immediately and was like, what do I need to do? And it's like, I've been exercising. I've been drinking a ton of water, but I have been eating rich foods. And I think I was stagnant on that plane for freaking ever, you know, 15 hours. And then not, to, not, not to discount the other three flights. Um, so yeah, I did some walking. Uh, I had, two straight meals of just vegetable i pounded a bunch of water got some sleep elevated and it appears to be going away uh and i gotta stay on top of that man that's no joke anymore all right so getting onto the ships is such a battle to get room to get to a room you know the billing the incidentals you don't get billed they pay for it but you know incidentals your your password your passport info which can easily happen beforehand they have it Right then, you get to your room. There's a nice letter telling you about your shows, which we'll see how this goes because they expected too many shows. So I've got to get with her and be like, "Yeah, I don't have as many as you think they're going to be." So you'll notice when I do this exact same jokes the third time. Um, then you have to ask your agent why something is booked that way, and they don't give a shit. They're just booking you to get more out of you. Then trying to get your internet service on the ship is a minimum four trips to the front desk. It's just great. Look. The cruise ship thing is great, but you want to be a working comedian independent of all this stuff because it's just so detached for so long doing this cruise ship stuff. And I, I may have to tell them, book me two weeks a month or just 
there's just too many moving parts all the time. Um, and then to get on stage and people watching who have no idea what is going on. Like, I don't care if someone's never been to a show, but if you've watched stand-up, you've watched comedy on TV, right? You've seen stand-up in some form. You are aware of talk shows, of jokes, of sarcasm. Come on. But we'll see how this goes. I used to really think highly of English sense of humor. Still do a little bit, but my God, these cruise ship crowds, like blank faces. And maybe the lack of sense of humor is why they're wealthy enough to be in retirement now and taking cruise ships. Um, but whatever. I was a little, I was a little concerned with the old, uh, the old ankles, man. <clears throat> okay, so I went from LA to Dallas to New Zealand to Tonga to the hotel in Tonga, which, uh, which was nice. It's weird. It's different, man. It's 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 detached, like. Um, but you just wonder with this process, like, why is, why are all these processes new to everyone? Every time I go through, why is it, she's scrambling the lady at New Zealand. Okay. You don't have this, you don't have that, you know, that. And like, why am I standing here trying to download apps and fill out forms when I've known about this trip for weeks? Like, it's not worth, it's just not worth it to the time of the cruise ship agents. They're just like, get him there. He'll figure it out. But uh, but any job I've ever had, I, you know, I walk people through things. Anybody I've ever had to train, I walk people through it. I have them shadow me like three days beyond what the expectation is just to get them comfortable. Like, because so many companies that first week, like they have you there, they may take you to lunch that first day. And then it's like, uh, all right, you're on your own. And then just ask this person that person and i it's just like sit with me sit next to me like brandy and i were working together this coworker uh two weeks ago when i was home and we just sat together all week and just walked to different places introduced different people email just copied her in on every email i left she was caught up man on everything granted she's smart but like she was she was taking the wheel midweek you know um Maybe that's why I've been well-liked at most jobs and never really moved up, you know. But these companies, so many of them, just no consistency. Or maybe these jobs in whatever profession are just people leaving after less than a year. And the forms and the app stuff just drives me mad. I'm filling out the same form three times, getting on a ship. You have my passport and a copy of my passport. It's all there. What more do you need? Do you think I'm going to lie about being a stand-up comedian? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'm any other profession. Um, I'll tell you, I wish I could just say I'm a writer and get the hell out of people's lives. And they say, what do you write? Oh, I write, oh, corporate or uh, copyright law. And they just go, oh, God, and they leave me alone. That's what I'm going to start doing. I write copyright law, just like Costanza and uh, Vandalay Industries. <laughs> Vandalay Industries and the uh, architect that he is. Um you know how to become a writer, guys? You talk to a little company called ScriptPipeline.com. ScriptPipeline.com. It's funny that I'm in the Australian area because the guy who founded this company loves Australia very much, Chadwick Clough. Um, this is a great company. It's a great way to get your script read, right? You have this idea, and it's a pipe dream. Then you put it on paper, and you're like, whoa, this isn't just pipe dream anymore. Now it's a dream. So you're taking the pipe out of it and taking it to Pipeline. Um so it's on paper, right? You got it in a PDF. 
you're using uh, Final Draft FDR. Is that what that is? I'll tell you, Starbucks should sell Final Draft because uh, or something. They should work together. Every coffee shop in L.A. is just scripts being written. Okay, man. Okay. Um, so I want to do something called Coffee Creeps, or it's just two or three guys sitting in a coffee shop, and they don't really write. They're just there to check out chicks, man. And they're just like, hey, so what, what, do you get the Wi-Fi password? Yeah. I mean, just the most awkward conversations. I think that'd be funny and simple to shoot. Uh, so script pipeline, yeah. So you got the script idea, which is huge. You got it written or an outline written? Write the outline first or just start writing. Screw it. And you got the outline and it's ready to go. And you're showing it to your friends. And they're like, yeah, man, it can. this can work. Like, this is as good as anything out there. Uh, do you want objectivize on it? Do you want to really see how it is and you want to give it a chance take it to scriptpipeline.com they will give you great coverage uh for a cost but it's inexpensive for the lessons you'll get out of it great readers will look at it give you notes you can resubmit second third fourth times you can submit to contests um they become your friend like you know they'll want to help you uh you got to stay in it you got to stay in the game and uh yeah they're in contact with agents producers execs all these people at Greenlight projects right these insiders these hollywood insiders and you don't have to move to hollywood and stress and sweat over a deposit a thousand dollar deposit a two thousand dollar apartment first and last month's rent history of where you've lived uh and you're living in a shithole right with a homeless guy going to the bathroom right outside your window um in a dodgy neighborhood where you can't park but one hour a week you know um then there's no decent places walking distance and the carpet is just worn out and gross and it's like one of those buildings you have to go down to go up so your mailbox is like down you know into the ground then it's some dodgy elevator and people can't afford rent there but they all have pets and the pets make noise and everybody's in a miserable selfish state all the time um so avoid all that and don't move there uh, save up, go visit there, stay in Santa Monica, go to the amusement parks, go down to Orange County, um, go to the beaches, and avoid living there, you know, avoid living there until you're brought in as a writer. And they want you to, un until they, that living there, you have no choice but to live there because you're getting so much work, which you can still always work from anywhere. And how can you do that? Scriptpipeline.com. They are the link, man. They are saving lives. Okay. Um, it's a long way to go. Can you tell I'm beat? So Tonga, I mean, T-O-N-G-A, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, home of, right? I think he was Tonga. I don't think he was Samoa. Um, Superfly Snooker. Man, Tonga is some Eastern Montana stuff. Probably how Hawaii was like 100 years ago. We'll see if it develops into that. I don't, it's just not as accessible. I, I don't know if it could. I don't know if anybody wants that. Um, it's very rural, right? Uh, there are some schools, past plenty of schools on the drive. Kids are in uniforms, barefoot, but still in uniforms, which is such a trip to me. Very nice people, not aggressive, not in your face. Um, it's a three-hour flight from New Zealand, and the Tonga Airport, um, very simple very simple airport my bags went through customs three times miami new zealand then tonga 
um and the tonga situation when you're getting your bags to go through security to leave lineless you just grab your bag join the mob and move toward the exit like there's no structure but also no angst so it was weirdly tough to be in a bad mood which is weird for me um nobody's rushing you just kind of move and then people are, are deferential and they'll let you go if it's your turn uh, different with that one I'm used to for sure, but I gotta say, man, the South Pacific is a is a trip. Lit and fig, lit and fig, right? Um, the people are so unique and unchanged and unfazed. It's it's very simple. They're not trying to hustle you for money. Um, big outfits, like big dresses on big men, and the graveyards are big. They have uh, very wide plots like twice the width probably the same length but twice the width um when you drive by little hills and cemeteries it's um yeah it's crazy man it's still like i don't know some 1800 stuff la is the nearest american city so growing up i you know you see a lot of south pacifics a lot of south pacific people in um socal orange county almost more than la even Mainly, I saw a lot of them growing up playing Pop Warner football, right? They get big in a hurry. They get big in a hurry. 10, 12, 15. They seem scary when you're 12, when you're a little 12-year-old, and you're playing against their 12-year-olds who look 20. Then you get to know them later in life as adults, and you're like, oh, I didn't need to be afraid. Isn't that interesting? That doesn't mean you won't get dominated on the field, right? It just means that there's no bad blood. You'll get beat and dominated and run over. But helped up after the play. Troy Polamalu always seemed like he was uh, so cool off the field. I met him at Kimmel once, he and his wife. Uh, they could not have been kinder. And he just seemed so mellow. But on the field, absolute warrior. Um, Alan Perlis was a kid I played with in junior high. Possibly the best football uh, player on our 8th grade team. And he was a year younger than us. He was in 7th grade. He was on that Capo team that won CIF. Uh I don't know if he went to Saddleback. His dad was a Marine. God, they were badass and not big. He wasn't even the biggest kid on our team. He was solid, though, man, strong. He and Greg Dutton were, I think, they were captains. Maybe it was just Greg Dutton. But Greg Dutton played. I don't even think he played when he went to Mission Viejo High School. I think eighth grade was his last year. Mission Viejo was good, too. Mission Viejo, El Toro, Capo were all good, and Santa Margarita was good. Um, we um, Greg Dutton was a surfer he missed the first week of practice back in the summer of 86 but was still the team captain that's how good he was that's how responsible of a player he was the coach loved him Coach Bean and he was a great dude he was like a surfer good looking tough and he was cool and professional he wasn't a bully I was always surprised growing up when guys weren't bullies that could be I was like you're not a bully like I don't know why I think because my mom was so sensitive, so I was like a sensitive kid. So anytime a guy was nice, I was confused. Uh, I don't know. Um, but perfect combination of linebackers, personality, and play play wise. The eighth grade Saddleback Valley Bears, um, Greg Dutton and Alan Perlis. I can't believe I'm talking about my junior high football team. Yes, I can. Um, Alan Perlis and Rob Villanueva, very fast, very strong athletes, and they defense was the priority but a lot of these guys played um offense get thrown in we had like seven different running backs and when perlis and rob villanueva were in at the same time coach bean would call them 
I think he started by calling them the Galloping Guatemalans. And then um, someone's like, no, man, Rob Villanueva is from the Philippines. So he started calling them the Flying Filipinos, which, uh, whatever, you know, being able to be insensitive to different cultures, I suppose. But if someone said the Amazing Americans or like two guys that got a lot of air and they were both from Brooklyn or something, basketball players, it's not white guys, but you could call them the like airborne Americans or something. I don't know. I, I don't know. What's that insulting? Galloping Guatemala. I guess if you get the country wrong, it's kind of bad. Um, but they were both great, great players. Rob was Filipino, but I don't think um, Alan Perlis was. Fascinating podcast. But but the uh, South Pacific, just the Saipan, Guam, Fiji, Samoa, um, Tahiti. Where did Marlon Brando go? When Mutiny on the Bounty, was that his? Anyway, uh, some stuff about Tonga really quick. Um, yeah, very the air, it's like a humid coolness, you know. Is California the only... California, Arizona, Vegas... Is that the only dry spot? What's the Middle East like? Because everywhere else is humid and warm. So, um, Okay, so... I'm told this morning by a guy who was doing the security as we got off the port and onto the ship. Really nice guy. Big uh, Tonga dude. He served uh, in the military. He went to military academy training in uh, Rhode Island. He did some time in Mississippi. Like... In, in you know military time not hardcore troop time or uh, prison and where else was he using one other spot uh virginia maybe virginia beach anyway hundred thousand people he was saying in the country of tonga on the island um 600 enlisted men and women military and then 55 uh 55 of the 600 have done time in iraq and afghanistan that is such a high percentage of your military and of your populace. Probably the highest in the world. That's incredible. So, it, like, these are people in Iraq and Afghanistan that live on the other side of the planet from the States. Um, there for the same reason, I suppose. Um, which is pretty incredible. Um, I think an island like Tonga or Puerto Rico... I, I don't know where Heidi's husband is. Somebody could email me where Heidi's husband's from. He, he played at Modern Day. Great guy. Um, but I think an island like, you know, Tonga or Puerto Rico, it's like, yeah, we're pretty much under someone else's flag, more or less, but it's pretty hands-off, and it's pretty great here, so we're happy. You know, it could be worse. Some island nations are not the same. Uh, I can't think of another example, so I don't know why I even said that. I don't know who Haiti and Dominican Republic are under. Are they under anybody? France and England? I, I don't know. But that's definitely not the state here. Jamaica, I think, is under, or kind of with... I know they're their own country, but, like... Isn't that kind of a, a tie to England? Anyway, the shot putter from New Zealand, a female gold medal shot putter, was on our flight from here to Tonga which is and then now she's staying at the same hotel this girl is taller than me and bigger than me and I'm sure stronger but she was on the flight with her two kids beautiful woman tall um and then has a husband who's like a little guy little white guy smaller than me uh and they have a cute kid they were at the pool when I was at the pool and the kid was uh swimming doing all kinds of jumping in and stuff hilarious 
Uh, it rained all night in my one night in Tonga. It rained. I've never heard rain go that long, and I loved it. I woke up at 2, and I didn't even bother going back to sleep because I just loved listening to the sound of pouring rain. Uh, just knowing that the earth was being nourished is fantastic. And I don't get to hear it that often. Um, okay, where are we? Okay, we can wrap this up already. Wow. Crazy to think how different all these corners of the world still are. Um, you know, I try to make sense of it. I, I get very uh, bleeding heart-ish when I go to some of these places. And you just think back, man. It's all, um, it's tribe on tribe, Right. It's just it's crazy that white expansion made its way all the way. Australia and England are on the opposite sides of the planet. New Zealand, how did the English get this far over and expand to this extent? But the Aborigines had a lot of land to defend um, in Australia, you know, as did the Native Americans in North America, South America too. Like you, you can't possibly be expected to defend all that if you know years in advance, and you're like, okay, we'll defend Seattle, or we'll defend this area known as Oregon Territory, and we'll all retract back to this area. But that wasn't the way of, you know, native culture. They're like, no, man, this land is limitless, right? Um, so it's interesting. White expansion. Chinese didn't expand. Japanese kind of did, right? They moved. 1907, they got the Kuril Islands in the Russian-Japanese War, and that didn't stop. They won, and then in 1910, they go into Korea. They dominate Korea from 1910 to 1945. Not dominate in a good way. I mean, rape, murder, slaughter, all that. Um, Force the language and culture on them, comfort women, all that stuff. Uh, World War II brought the Koreans out of that. Uh, maybe that's why Japan is more European than the rest of Asia. They have that similar kind of, like, we want to expand and conquer you know not so much now though um i don't know but my point is the same thing that happened to native americans and hawaiians and whatever samoans like anywhere right happened to your and my ancestors hundreds of years before that so i'm not trying to justify i'm just trying to make sense of it all like no culture is undefeated you know, some tribe from Middle Europe fought the next village years and years and centuries and centuries ago. They lost some, won some. Eventually, they merged, and it was like, okay, we're not called Anglos anymore or Slavs. Uh, and we're now called French, or we're now Prussia, or we're Swedes. You know, and then those cultures battle. And then some land is expanded, some disappears, your culture gets indoctrinated. You know, it happened in the Middle East, in Africa, in China. It happens, um, you know, on that same continent for centuries. And then you learn transportation, mass exodus, and you hop onto another hemisphere and do the same thing you were doing back there, uh, you know, with a group that wasn't necessarily on the same wavelength you were. Uh, the difference with white and natives is that it was such a glaring divide in technology. You know, the English-Irish battle isn't seen as quite as traumatic or whatever as white culture and native culture um or you know whatever was done in prussia or whatever was done in yeah prussia formerly germany how those countries because there was slaughter and murder and takeover and all that hundreds of years before that but the deeper it went into history the more documentation we have for it guns germs and steel one of the best books ever i think it's jared diamond who wrote that um, 
guns, germs, and steel. Really helps bring answers if you want, if you're into that sort of thing. You know, um, but that whole Western white expansion eventually spreads in the Pacific theater, the islands, Philippines, Guam, Saipan, Tahiti, Samoa, all these places. I'm really curious now. Countries like Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, Korea, China, we're not going to get taken over. Okay? In infrastructure already in place, um, with a bigger land body, more people. Right? I mean, Korea is amazing. Korea had to fight off Japan, China, and uh, Russia all these years to maintain their independence and their sovereignty. And the United States, in some ways. But whatever. Now we're all trying to make it work globally you know there's still some tucked away places far off villages tonga reminds me of eastern montana man not western beautiful mountainous montana with rain ski ski lifts and and you know flathead lake and summer homes man i'm talking eastern montana some far out of the way land backwoods you know 1800 stuff um so yeah you know i'd love to see conversations between troops U.S. troops in Afghanistan and Iraq, their conversations with the natives there. Because those two sides know things on an entirely different level of FUBAR than we do. They can relate to each other in, in ways you and I will never be able to. Uh, driving Uber in L.A. during BLM and the looting and seeing black people talking to cops or cop or troops, just in conversation, laughing, like hanging out, not being interrogated, but just talking like, hey, man, what's up? Guns not drawn, you know? As if to say, like, they were, they were like, this is so messed up, you know. And I'm watching going, oh, they're getting along? Oh, well, what am I watching the news for? Like, I'm just going to be a human being, man. You know, I'm just going to be a human being. Um, and each of us has that choice, right? Unless I run into someone from customs who's giving me a hard time about some form of form that I've got five copies of already. Then I won't. Then it won't be a human being. Okay, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see how the shows go this week, or we won't. It, it really doesn't matter that much. I have to get past that. But uh, just show them a good time, right? Keen on Things podcast, subscribe so you know right away. Uh, there's some in the bank here on their, on their way coming, so hopefully it's one a week. And then uh, Keen of Comedy on all social media platforms, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope uh, it's worth your time. Later.